0: Greetings to you all and welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special thank you to the reformed members of Back to Ashes Denise S., Seven Leaf Clover, Through Scrutiny, Samantha Place, Lisa Ratford, Tina Mead, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Mana Ash, Normandy W., Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's niece. I'd also like to give a huge thank you to those that donated to my GoFundMe so I can rehome as my current home is condemned. If you would also like to become a member of Back to Ashes, all that information the GoFundMe and membership is down below in the description. If you are new here or haven't done so already, please remember to subscribe, like, comment and share. Not only does it help push this video into the algorithm. But, you will be reminded every time I upload videos. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled true, backwoods, creepy stories. Right after this intro, an ad will play. I'll read the first story, an ad will play, and after that, there will be no more ads within this video. At the time of posting this, the coronavirus quarantine is in effect in my area. After a good week of doing absolutely nothing productive, I was getting cabin fever and wanted to go get some fresh air. So I opted to visit a state park in my area where I figured I wouldn't really come across anybody. It was a fairly beautiful day outside, and the temperatures were a little cold, but not enough to warrant a jacket. When I pulled up into the parking lot of Wells State Park, Sturbridge, Massachusetts, There were a lot of other people that seemed to have had the same idea that I did, so I decided that I would take a trail that I wouldn't see many people on. About 30 minutes into the walk, the forest seemed off. Despite the clear, pretty day, I couldn't help but feel this ominous energy around me. It was a feeling of being overwhelmed. The forest was incredibly alive, birds were chirping back and forth, boisterously, and I spotted hawks flying low at least seven times, as well as squirrels screaming back and forth at one another in very close proximity to me. Further into the trail, it kept pursuing and got increasingly louder before stopping in a few fading calls. At this point, I was able to record a video of it that I will link at the bottom of my story. I made the decision to get out of there when the noise stopped and take the trail to Carpenter's Rock, a popular cliff close to the exit of the park. At this point, it was silent. I couldn't hear anything but my own steps and a few planes flying overhead. Then, suddenly, almost everything screamed. It sounded like it got stabbed in the gut. I hightailed it out of there and after 15 minutes I ended up back at the parking lot and I talked to a couple other hikers about it. At least five other people heard it as well and booked it like I did. If there are any rangers or biologists reading this, can you explain to me what could cause them all to do that? I've spent quite a lot of time outdoors in the last two years. 2016 through hiked the AT, 205 days and 2,189 miles up the East Coast. This year I rode my bike up the 800-mile Arizona Trail that rode Santa Barbara to Vancouver, British Columbia, along the Pacific Ocean. Now I'm 1,100 miles into a southbound Continental Divide Trail Hike went through Montana and Wyoming, and will enter Colorado soon. I've always been fascinated with the paranormal, and started listening to Coast to Coast AM at 17 or 18 years of age. No story on there has me hooked like George Knapp's interviews David Paul Eads. The phenomenon is just so bizarre and so intriguing. So, I'll just tell the stories that come to mind in no particular order. In Yellowstone, a few weeks back, I listened to Mysterious Universe podcast covering human and animal mutilation. Super creepy, especially if humans are really being found mutilated like cattle. So, of course, I tell my hiking buddies all about the episode as the sun sets and really freaks them out. The night is nice. Stars are out. The next day, I came across a dead rodent right in the middle of the trail that looked to have had all the signs of animal mutilation. Eyes are removed. There's a hole in the back of his head that appears to be black and burned. Eye sockets also have a black burned look to them. I obviously didn't check if his spine and organs were there, but there was no blood and no insects on the body. Who knows if that was just like the work of bugs and sun, but... I thought the timing was just so strange. I have a video of this animal. I'll upload later if I have time. But it is really strange because over thousands of miles, I've seen plenty of dead animals in various states of decay. But this rodent looked perfectly preserved, except it was missing eyes, and there was just that hole at the back of his head. Maybe half an inch wide, that appeared blackened and cauterized or burnt. I've never seen this before and there's the timing of it all. Places totally have vibes to them. Some places that we walk through are straight up, hair raising, and I can never figure out why, yet I've confirmed it with other hikers. I'll usually ask, hey did you feel weird back there? And they always go, yeah I did, it just didn't feel right. One place in Utah comes to mind. It was a short day hike I did with my girlfriend in Canyonlands. Forget the name, but the trail took you up the side of an old crater. I think they theorize it was a meteor strike ages ago, but don't really actually know. Anyway, we got to a spot, sat down, and were immediately overcome with this incredible lethargy to the point where we both wanted to fall asleep on that rock. I'm a pretty disciplined hiker, so I stood up and said, we can't dally here. Oddly, I also had this gut feeling that we shouldn't fall asleep here. And also, weirdly, my girlfriend said offhand in a joking manner to some other day hikers coming up the trail, be careful up there, there's a vortex that will suck you in and put you to sleep. She meant vortex in the hiker context of a town that'll suck you in and keep you doing unplanned zeros. But still, odd choice of language, right? And I'm reminded of cases of UFOs and fairy abductions that start with people inexplicably falling asleep in the woods in the middle of the day. Speaking of weird experiences, the AT crosses through an area known as Bennington Triangle. Going south, you'll cross over Glattensbury Mountain and then enter the town of Bennington. Apparently, there were four or five missing 411-style disappearances there in the 1940s. You can Google it. It's really interesting. And the natives avoided the area because they believed devils lived on that mountain. When I walked through the day before I had written a blog post about how the trail was teaching me to follow my gut... And how following my gut always seems to have saved me from storms and other things like that. And generally, everything turns out good. Well, this day I was planning to go through a small town called Manchester Center. Then climb onto Glattensbury Mountain and camp on that mountain. In Manchester Center, I eat a burrito and have the worst stomach cramps I've ever had. Tried using the bathroom to wait it out. Nothing. So I book a room in a motel. Literally, the second I've paid and get to the room, my stomach pain goes away. This was cramps so bad that I was walking hunched over that just disappeared in the matter of seconds. But I'd already paid, so I stayed. No diarrhea or anything that day. Everything 100% normal after I changed my plans. I climbed the mountain and went into Bennington the next day, only after I realized that I would have been on the mountain on the night of the full moon. Is that relevant? No idea, but it just struck me as very, very odd how I wrote about following my gut, and then my gut literally forced me to not climb that mountain. Oh, on the way down is where the long trail and the AT intersect and that intersection is where a young woman disappeared in the 40s without a trace. Very weird. Now that I'm thinking of weird places with bad vibes, I'm reminded of this small five-mile loop I do at home in Missouri. When I walk this, I usually always stopped about three miles in and turned around. No real reason, that's just what I always did. Went in there maybe four years ago with an ex girlfriend and we ate about 1.5 grams of mushrooms each. The first hours of the trip were great hanging out about a mile into the loop. Then we decided to hike more and entered the section that I unintentionally avoided. It was so strange. The only way I can describe it is that if it felt like evil descended, it descended upon us. I'm getting goosebumps as I write this. I felt this deep pit of despair and depression come out of nowhere. And I just knew that that year was when I was going to die. I knew that our relationship was over. We both got real quiet and didn't talk for about half an hour. Then came to this ledge and I kept getting these horrible images of her running full speed charging off just like this 80 foot ledge. Then, all of a sudden, the oppressive energy lifted, and we both just burst out like, Did you feel that? What in the hell? So, she also felt that incredibly negative energy and felt that we were done. Our reactions were very interesting. We both felt like we should focus more on spirituality and develop a stronger spiritual base. I kept having the thought that, The greatest lie is that there is no good and evil in the world. If you believe this, then you're truly vulnerable to true evil. So after this experience, we got into hypnotism a little. She would fall into a trance very easily. One session, I took her back to that day and she absolutely freaked out. She said that we were attacked by a demon who attacked those who were undecided. Now, I'm not religious at all, and still I'm not, and I think this is her Catholic upbringing coloring her experience, but I do think there was something very evil there that day in those woods. Also, it's fascinating that I just avoided the place, intuitively, right? Right. I've lived in a small town in Kentucky for my entire life, and because of that, I've been surrounded by the mountains and the woods for years. My current house is literally nestled into the woods in the middle of nowhere, and thus, outdoor activities have taken up a huge chunk of my time, especially in the summer and fall. I'm in the woods almost daily, hiking to the creeks to fish or meadows to hunt and I know the woods and trails around my home, like the back of my hand. That being said, there is definitely something that calls to you while you're in the woods, especially when you're alone, and have just now realized it. Before I'd brushed it off, now it's hard for me to ignore. My parents began allowing me to hike alone when I was around 13, but I didn't get really into it until about two years later, when I turned 15. Even then, though, I wasn't allowed to go very far, and I always had to carry a walkie-talkie with me so I could contact my family if necessary. Later, at 17, I'd be allowed to carry a handgun with me, but that's neither here nor there. There's stories I can tell at that age, too, but this one takes place when I was 15. Before I get into it, I should mention that I have two outside dogs, Max, a black lab, and Bo, a beagle. I've had both since I was very young, and they're very super smart. Always staying by my side when I'm in the woods. They always listen to me. Until this day. I was hiking a trail that runs up beyond my aunt's house. One that I've hiked day in and day out. Just out and about, enjoying the woods. It was in October. So the weather was cool, not hot, and I had been hiking for around an hour. The trail comes out on a spring that runs down from the top of this particular mountain. It hadn't rained lately, so the spring was mostly dry and covered in leaves. I remember looking up the mountain, which I'd never hiked to the top of before, and feeling this strange call. It wasn't really a voice, but it was an urge I couldn't ignore. Keep in mind that I'm a very timid person, and hiking unfamiliar trails on my own freaks me out to this day. But that day, all my fear had dissipated. All thought left my head. I just climbed, higher and higher. My dogs followed me. I don't even know how to describe the feeling that came over me, but... I remember just staring down at my feet and feeling at peace as I climbed. There was a moment when I paused to look out at the houses below. I'd never been that high up, remember? And I felt amazed. I took a picture on my phone and then I looked around me for my dogs. Bo had already run off and Max was following. I called out to them frantically to stop, but they didn't listen. They disappeared. At this point, looking down the mountainside, I was very afraid. Then I looked back uphill, and it came over me again. I kept hiking. I couldn't stop. Eventually, I heard my walkie-talkie crackle. Everything was distorted, and I couldn't make out any of the words. I assumed now that I was just out of range for it to pick up, but back then, it freaked me out. Whatever had come over me lost its hold on my mind. My dogs were still gone. Panicked, I began running downhill. It's a wonder I didn't get hurt. As I neared the wide section of the spring near the bottom, my walkie-talkie picked back up and I heard my dogs running downhill behind me. I got home and mostly forgot about it. I just told myself I had almost been lost and to be more careful. Flash forward many years to now, and I still hike. I commented a short version of this second story on another post, but I'll add it back here. At this point, Max is very old and no longer hikes with me, so it's just me and Bo. Last year, I hiked up to a cave behind my house, as I've done a million times before. And then, I started following a trail I'd never fully explored just out of curiosity. Bo was ahead of me, per usual. But when I called her back, she'd come. We hiked for the better part of 45 minutes, following a pretty simple trail. And then, I figured I'd better be heading back because it'd be getting dark soon. And yet, I couldn't stop. I kept telling myself, I'd just go a little bit further. Just see a little bit more. I remember looking down at my feet, just like before, and listening to the silence of the woods around me, and feeling at peace. It felt so easy to just keep going deeper, and so difficult to turn around. Beau felt the call too, because even after I did break out of it and turned around, only after stumbling on a root, and then called her back, she wouldn't stop. I had to catch up with her and physically turn her around and pet her before she'd come with me. I don't know exactly what happened that day, but what if I had stumbled over that route or what if my mom hadn't decided to contact me at that moment? How deep would I have hiked and what waited for me in those depths? I don't know what's out there, but I do know this. The woods call
1: to us all.
0: It's not unusual for me to trek out on solo hiking day trips. For contacts, I'm a 31-year-old female. I frequently visit the nearby provincial parks, Canadian here by the way, that are generally well used. It's rare I end up on a hike not seeing at least one or two people. I grew up going on camping and hiking trips and feel very comfortable out in nature. I always inform people where I'm going and when to expect me back. Safety first, right? One day last year, I was going stir-crazy, so I took myself out to a popular nature educational center. A bunch of trails stem from this one spot. They're not long trails, but are all interconnected, so it's easy to create your own distance. It was midweek, so I wasn't expecting to encounter many people. Maybe a school group at the most. I grabbed my backpack, locked the car, and head out. It was a beautiful, sunny day. Mid-autumn, so it was a little chilly out. I was listening to the sounds of nature surrounding me. Some squirrels, birds, even a deer crossed my trail at one point. I was sticking with the main trail, which had educational signs identifying the different types of plants as you went along. I've been trying to teach myself how to identify different trees on site, so this path was the best. I made my way up the first little hill and made my way down the path where it makes a sharp right turn. Up ahead, I caught sight of a man wearing a dark blue jacket. Strange. I hadn't seen any signs of the person or heard them, but whatever. Normally, I'm comforted seeing someone else, but this time my gut instinct was not happy i made a note of which way the person went and continued along blue jacket had taken the path i wanted to take to create a longer hike it would have been a lot more secluded and less traveled so for once i tried to be smart listen to my gut and just follow the main route back to my car keep it short and safe i still had about two kilometers to get back to the parking lot Clouds decided they wanted to skirt around the sky, making the woods a little dull and ominous. I kept looking over my shoulder, feeling very unsettled. The trees cast finger-like shadows that did not help calm my imagination down at all. One of my favorite spots on this main trail had a few huge boulders and rock formations, right smack in the middle, that you had to go around. Really neat for photos and climbing on a normal day, but today they filled me with even more dread. I couldn't pinpoint why at first until I noticed some scuffs around the base of the rock, going the wrong way around. The trail was very obvious which way to go, left that is, and these marks were wrong. It was like someone walked around the rocks, dragging their foot behind them. Animal? Maybe. I couldn't figure it out. I wanted to turn around and go back the way I came, but that would have added 4 kilometers to getting back to my car. I stuck close to the far side of the real path keeping a close eye on the rock formation. As I made it to the other side of the rocks, I caught sight of some blue fabric. The same blue jacket I saw earlier. The person moved as if ducking down between some rocks to avoid being seen. For Blue Jacket Man to reach the rocks before me, he either cut his own path through the woods or sprinted through about 5 to 6 kilometers of trails. I did not like the thought of either option, as I did not know this person and did not want to know them at this point. Maybe he was taking a leak? Yeah, I'll go with that. I picked up my pace and dug my phone out. I texted my usual hiking friend telling them all the details in case I suddenly went missing. Yes, I attempted to do this while following the path. I only walked into one tree. (laughs) I glanced behind me again while the rocks were still in sight and saw the man standing there looking at me. I ran the rest of the way back to my car, hopped in, and immediately locked the doors. Curiously, there wasn't a single other vehicle in the parking area or on the nearby road. This place was nowhere near any towns, so I have no clue where Mr. Blue Jacket came from. I took a couple of minutes to sort myself out in the car, and as I pulled out to leave, I looked at the trailhead. There was that damn blue jacket on the signpost I had just passed to get in my car with no one visible nearby. I was so spooked by this encounter that I refused to hike there alone ever again. Maybe it was all an innocent misunderstanding, but it sure scared the living hell out of me. This happened yesterday. My brother and I went for a hike to stave off cabin fever from self-isolating. We chose a pretty remote trail to lower the risk of coming into contact with other people. I was walking ahead of my brother and the gravel on the track was making our footsteps sound pretty loud. Deep in thought, I was listening to the rhythm of his footsteps behind me. About 20 minutes in, I started hearing other footsteps starting off faint and then getting louder, until they were the same pitch as his, but they were much faster, like a running rhythm. They suddenly came to a halt, and I could hear the motion of someone stopping on gravel. Then, sudden sharp rocky sounds, if you can imagine what that sounds like. I assume there must be someone running or jogging on the track, and sure enough, I saw a shadow to the side of me appear, which looked like a person's head, next to mine. As though they weren't right behind me. I stopped and turned around to let them pass because the track was narrow. However, when I turned around, it was just my brother staring back at me. He was confused as to why I'd stopped. So I asked him if he was running a second ago and he said no. I asked if there had been anyone behind him, and he said that he wasn't aware of anyone. I thought it was strange, but just let it go and carried on. About five minutes later, we came around a corner and there was the smell of just pure death, like a really strong off-meat smell. We figured it was a dead animal and kept going. We reached the hike lookout about twenty minutes later chilled out for a bit then headed back. We passed the death smell and then around the exact same spot where it had happened before I started hearing that running sound again. I ignored it this time because it was starting to freak me out and just picked up the pace to get back to the car. I told my mom and she joked that the death smell must have been a dead jogger and I was being haunted by them to which I laughed at the time but now I'm wondering, what if it was? Maybe I should have investigated that damn smell. This all just happened only a few hours ago, so I'm writing it down now while the memory is still fresh. My wife and I have been talking about it non-stop since it happened and have been unable to come up with any explanation that even begins to make sense. Please help us figure this out so we can forget about it. I'll try to keep this all as short as possible, but I need to make sure you get all the details so you can help us figure what the hell happened. Today we planned on going on a four-mile hike The trail makes a big loop with the beginning point also acting as the ending point. The story begins in the trail parking lot. There were about five other cars in the lot, and out of the car nearest us came a middle-aged couple. We paid them no mind, as we typically do with strangers, and we headed off to the restroom before hitting the trail. They set off on their own hike. When we started the hike, we chose route number one doing the loop counterclockwise. The trail itself makes a huge loop about 4 miles in length, with the parking lot being at the highest elevation, and the lowest point being the middle of the trail. The ascent from the bottom, middle section to the top, going either direction, is extremely steep, slow, slippery, and tough. This is important information for later. About 20 minutes into our overall three-hour hike, we reached point A, where we caught up with the older couple. About the time we caught up with them in the canyon, they decided to turn towards the parking lot, passing us along the way. We exchanged smiles and waves as we passed, and again thought nothing of it. From point A to point B, everything seemed totally normal. We were hot and tired, of course, but... We were enjoying ourselves and thought very little about the other people. When we reached point B, about two-thirds of the way through the loop just starting the uphill climb back towards the parking lot, however, things started to get a little weird. As soon as we exited the low-lying canyon region, we saw the same couple heading towards us, as if they had returned to the parking lot and opted instead for route number two. We still didn't find this to be completely out of the ordinary as the first canyon, around Point A, was tough to get down, and it seemed they were somewhat unprepared. The woman was wearing a knee-length skirt, a very bad choice for sliding down slippery canyon slopes and climbing steep rock bluffs, and it appeared that they had not brought a pack with water or anything. We passed them again, exchanged pleasantries, and continued on. This time, though, we did talk briefly about the situation. We found it odd that they made it far enough to meet us at this point, as the first parts of routes 1 and 2 were steep and slow, and the area between point A and B was pretty flat and steady. Considering the difference in terrain and their age and apparent physical conditions, We agreed it was awfully strange to see them at that point on the trail, but we continued on anyway, just shrugging and thinking no more about it. Soon afterwards we made it to the Outlook, which was a couple hundred feet above the bottom section of the trail, and ten minutes past Point B. As we paused to take some pictures and catch our breath, my wife pointed out she could hear their voices down below in the canyon as we rested. We listened and mutually agreed that it was probably the same couple since the point of voices seemed to come from would be about the right spot for them to be at given the last location we saw them at and the lack of anyone else on the trail so far. Still, nothing too strange yet. That is, until we reach point C. Between the outlook and point C, which was 20 minutes from the end of the loop and 40 minutes past point B, was a wide gravel trail with steep drop-offs on either side. You could say it was sort of a ridge as everything within the loop made a giant lopsided bowl, much like a volcano, with the elevation difference between the lowest point of the trail and the highest point of the trail being about 500 feet. This made the terrain around the trail seem pretty much impassable. It was extremely steep and covered in thick overgrowth and fallen trees. It seems to be pretty much a given that the established trail is the only way to get from the Outlook back to the parking lot. As we neared Point C, we were becoming increasingly exhausted and ready to be done. We stopped once or twice for about 30 seconds at peace to catch our breath, and as we got closer and closer to Point C, it was as if the energy was sucked right out of us both. Of course, the trail was tough, but we had done it and many like it before, and it was not even 80 degrees outside. Even as our mental focus began to waver and we started noticing a significant change in our demeanor and attitude, we still marched on, knowing the end of the trail was near. When we reached point C, everything changed for the worse. Now, keep in mind. We saw the older couple about 40 minutes earlier at point B, and there was no way to reach point C from there except the trail we were currently on. There were no shortcuts. There was no realistic way to pass us without us knowing, and no way to possibly beat us there. And yet, there they were, sitting on a bench on the side of the trail eating lunch at that As we passed them, the man mentioned something about a picnic to us and smiled, laughing. We tried our best to respond in kind, but the mood was as if we had just walked into a giant black cloud of smoke. I don't know how else to explain it, but the area around them disoriented us completely and we no doubt were pale as ghosts and obviously shaken. It wasn't a malevolent feeling and they didn't seem aggressive or strange. But our brains were just shocked into a state of horror in seeing them there. It just was not possible. We passed on by them, and as soon as we were out of earshot, my wife turned to me with a face I had never seen before in my life. We were terrified. Without saying a word to each other, we both experienced the same feeling of shock. It felt as if we had just walked through a time warp, or as if we brushed against another dimension. Our following discussion amounted to this. There is no way they could have beaten us there. Sure, maybe, possibly, just maybe, there was a chance. But only if after seeing us at point B, they sprinted through the woods in a direct line towards point C. Now, this would require them to run up steep rock bluffs, through unmarked woods, and who knows what else, for over a mile. In 40 minutes, that's how long it took us to get there, going at a pretty good speed using the clear trail, which, as a crow flies, was not that much longer than a direct route from B to C. We are in our early 20s and in decent shape, and we were dead tired by the time we saw them, and based on their apparent level of preparedness and fitness... No judgment here, only stating what we could see. There is no way, even if they did take a direct off-the-trail route, they could have made it there before us. On top of that, they had somehow found two Bud Lights and a lunchbox full of sandwiches on the way, and were already almost done eating them by the time we met them at Point C. All of the things combined with the overwhelming feelings we got when we encountered them at Point C have left us in mental shambles for the past several hours. We have no idea what to make of this, and no clue how to explain it in a way that even begins to make sense. Please, help us figure out what this was, or who they were. This story technically takes place on a road, but it is in the wilderness, as it's a very, very rural area with few to no houses around. I must also state that this is a very true story that happened to me. I hope you enjoy. This incident happened to me when I was younger, probably around 19 or 20. I'm 27 going on 28 now. I used to drive around the countryside for hours on end sometimes up to six hours, and smoke cigarettes while listening to music and just daydreaming. I have been through a lot, so this was my way of letting off steam and trying to digest all the badness that had happened to me in the past seven years. There is a route that goes into the southern part of my state and eventually takes you to Maryland. If I'm not mistaken, if you keep going along it, it will take you all the way to Florida. It was a road I was very fond of, as it intersected with a lot of interesting places. It could take you to cities and beaches alike, all while somehow remaining pretty isolated and rural. On one of these day trips, I was driving through a heavily wooded area that opened up to a field lined with trees on my left. I was pretty zoned out at this point, but something on the side of the road immediately caught my attention. In fact... It even seemed that time slowed down so that I could see this apparition with more vivid detail than any random artifact I would have ever glanced at lying on the side of the road. What I saw was an older, balding man dressed in full Catholic priest's garb. His mouth was opened in what appeared to be grief, staring up at the sky through large glasses. He was standing in front of a dead deer a buck, from what I recall it was around three points, maybe four. Behind the deer was a 1970s or 80s Crown Vic style police car without its lights on. It had no markings on it whatsoever to signify what county it was from, and no one was in the vehicle. I didn't even think it had the engine running. Now this is pure speculation but it almost appeared as if the vehicle had been parked there for a day or so, because it was so sedentary. The other odd thing about this vehicle is that it had no damage on its front end to show that it was responsible for hitting the dead deer, nor did this deer seem all that mangled or bloody. Taking a step back and rehashing the scene as a whole, it had the appearance of being staged or set up somehow as if it were all props in a play or movie. Every part of it was so odd and so still. For the speed I was traveling at, the glance I cast on the spectacle could have only lasted for about three seconds, maximum. But the moment seemed to be quadrupled that amount, and its impression was so dense it grabbed every part of my being and seemed to cut through me like a knife, just like bad news. And I do mean really bad news. I was gasping for air and almost crying. Had I seen some sort of ghost? Was it a warning from a deity unawares to me? Did the forces that shape time and space momentarily flex in this rural corner of Virginia, and I just so happened to be its only witness? Even passing the same spot on my return from the trip, There was no other trace of it that remained. Not even the body of the deer or tire tracks from the police car could be seen. Like a breeze, a walking dream had crossed my vision, a thing so out of place it could not be surrounded by any setting native to its own themes. I had no answers to any of these questions only a lack of closure leaving its scar upon my brain for the rest of my life. I live in Victoria, Australia, and we don't get snow unless you venture up the mountain area where the climate is significantly colder. As expected, I very rarely see snow in person. So, during my childhood, my mom and I would visit my pepaw up in Glenorchy, Victoria, at least once a year. He would drive us up a nearby mountain where we would indulge in what little snow we could play in. It was never particular much, but I loved it. I have a distant memory of the nausea from the bending roads and my ears getting blocked from ascending so fast. And I'll never forget the fear that our car would swerve off the narrow road and roll off the cliff. Good old times. It was one of these trips that my mom and I were on a small hike trail through a thriving forest up in the mountains. Unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the location as I was only around 8 to 11 years old at the time. There wasn't much snow as usual, just patches, but it was beautiful and there was no one else in sight. I can't recall why it was just the two of us at that moment. My pepaw did have a short temper at times, so possibly my mom wanted a break from him. I remember feeling so content with our lives at that moment. Then this feeling washed over us, a feeling of impending doom and danger. It was a sinking feeling in my chest. I remember asking my mom something like, do you feel that too? As we just stood there, bewildered. We felt that we didn't belong here, that we should just leave immediately. Now, might I add that this was during the day, not at night. I had been in scouts most of my childhood and was also very familiar with this type of environment. Yet. Here we were, frantically looking around for the source of this dread we were feeling deep in our gut. It felt like we were being watched, like a thousand judgmental eyes were just focused on us. It was so intimidating. I remember my heart beating rapidly and my body shaking as we quickly paced back to my pebble's car. There was no sound of sticks breaking, no ominous figures within the trees, and no growling of a monstrous creature. It was just a feeling. I asked my mom to describe her side of the story, and she remembers an image in her head of a large creature crawling up the mountain to get us. She felt as if it was in the wind. Every big gust, it would come closer and closer. There was a nagging voice in her to leave, yelling, Get out! Over and over again. And getting louder the longer we were there. It's a bit dramatic, but still an interesting interpretation of the same event. Unfortunately, nothing else happened that day. We made it back to the car safely and proceeded with our trip. Maybe it was for the best. Who knows? I thought I was the only one who remembered this experience and I just assumed that it was all in my head. After all, I was a very anxious child, and my mind could have exaggerated the whole event. However, it was only a couple of years ago that my mom mentioned it, and I realized that it really did happen. It makes me so happy because I crave these paranormal and unexplained experiences in my life, but I have had very little luck. Maybe it's my skeptical thoughts that hinder me from accepting that our world is a lot more supernatural than we perceive it to be. I don't know the history of the location, sadly, because that could provide a possible explanation for the event. Was it supernatural? Was it a negative entity? Was it cursed land? I am aware of numerous places deemed cursed by indigenous Australian communities and landmarks that upright refuse to set foot on. Or could it just be a one-time experience, some force just passing through and not originating in that area? My mom is also a very spiritual individual and is more open about these encounters. She has experienced similar feelings in other locations. One, in fact, recently, while she was visiting houses on the market. It was a shed in the backyard of a property that triggered this feeling. She sent such a strong urge to leave that area and not move any closer to that shed. There was something inherently wrong with it or a negative presence resided in it. Who knows? It really fascinates me. I love how mysterious this phenomenon is. Do you guys have any explanation? I'd love to hear your thoughts and your own personal experiences. And I apologize for the long and uneventful story. This encounter happened years ago. But most recently, I felt the need to write this down, so here we go. I grew up in a tiny French village in mid-northern France, in an area that is most well known for its massive forest. My little village was in the middle of this forest, surrounded by trees from all sides. Most of its secluded population was of an elderly demographic. The forest was large enough that if you walked into it in one direction, it'd be hours, even days if you chose a bad trajectory, until you'll find any other proper civilization, aside from the occasional lone road. Now, don't get me wrong, the forest is lovely and I have spent many cherished memories there, but it's also rather secluded. And I can only begin to imagine what mysterious things happened under the cover of so many dense twigs, branches, and leaves. Anyway, on to the story. Every day to get to school, my mom would drive me and my sister to school and the next town over. The town was also in this forest. However, on this fateful morning, we had to stop the car mere seconds after driving off. In the middle of this rather narrow and seldom-used road was an elderly woman in her nightgown, splattered with mud and bruises, and seemingly exhausted beyond her wits. She was barefoot, her feet blackened by mud and caked with lashes of blood. She didn't flinch as the car crawled forward towards her, nor did she show any sign of relief as my mom stepped out of the car to greet her. She was terribly confused and didn't seem entirely sure what to say or how to begin. For a moment, she just babbled incomprehensibly, but within a few seconds, a somewhat coherent sentence began to form. She was repeating that she'd ran. She'd ran all night. It was around 7.30 a.m. in early spring, so the sun had only just risen not long ago. She said she'd ran through the forest not knowing where to go, but as she went on, it became clear that she had been trying to escape something. She paused, catching her breath and gathering her thoughts. It was clear that this was all a mess in her mind, and just now was she trying to collect everything coherently. Someone, she continued, had kept her locked up in a cellar, She didn't know where or for how long, or who it was that had locked her up, but she remembered it was very damp and muddy. She didn't remember how she got out of the cellar. All she knew was that she was in the dead of the forest in the dead of the night, so she ran, ran as much as her frail body would allow. At this point, it seems like she had nothing more to say it seemed like her nighttime escape had culminated in us meeting her. I don't exactly remember what she and my mom discussed next, but it resulted in my mother calling the old lady's son, who lived on the other side of the village. A few minutes later, he arrived and told us that we should leave. Fast forward a few days, I asked my mom if she knew what became of the old lady after we left her. I'm not sure how my mom found out this next bit, but apparently a few men had broken into her house that night or morning, had beaten her and ransacked her home, stealing some of her priceless possessions. She had apparently fled for cover into the forest, which was only a few meters away from her house. Now, if that isn't creepy enough, a few extra details stick into my mind. First when we found her in the middle of that narrow road, it turns out that she was standing right next to her house. Perhaps the burglars were still in her home as we were speaking with her. Her sense of time did seem distorted after all. Secondly, no mention of the supposed cellar she was kept in was made. Had it been a fiction of her panic and delusion, or had she really been locked up in a cellar somewhere? in the forest only for no one to believe her. It seems unlikely, but you do occasionally stumble upon old and grotty stone huts and ruins in the forest. Perhaps some of them hide a few gruesome tales. Unfortunately, we never really spoke to that family again, so we never got to find out about what really happened that night. I believe the elderly lady is now deceased. We will never fully find out the truth about that cellar. Nonetheless, whenever I return home and drive past that house in that narrow street, I can't help but remember that frail lady standing alone in her muddy nightgown. So, I grew up and lived in rural New England most of my life, which meant that when I was in high school, if my friends and I wanted to go see a movie, we had to drive about 45 minutes away. Well, one night, my buddy and I decided to go see a movie, some action flick like Captain America or Judge Dredd or something, so we weren't in a weird state of mind from a horror movie or anything like that. And on the way back home, I decided to take the back roads so that I could drive a little faster. Now, back roads in Vermont are a lot of fun and scary as hell if you don't know what you're doing. There are almost one-lane dirt roads cutting through endless miles of mountains and forest, with a house every five miles, if you're lucky. So, we're on one of these roads. Radio is playing some rock and roll, and it's snowing. Not lightly snowing or cozy amounts of snow, just a soft, pleasant snowfall. And we're about halfway home deep in the woods, and we come to this hill, and at the top of the hill, it curves, so it's a blind hill in the middle of the woods, and it's snowing, so I slow down significantly. We round the corner, and my headlights light up this spot on the side of the road where the snow refuses to fall, but it's not just an empty space. There's snow piling up in three spots, the way it would if there was a person standing there and the snow was building up on their shoulders and head, and it stays that way long enough for me to register all of that, and then the snow buildup all sort of collapses, and it begins just like everything else, and I've driven past the spot. Well I continued driving for a while in silence, trying to make sense of what I just saw in my head and see if I can find a rational explanation, and I can't, really, so I asked my friend, did you see that? And he looks at me for a moment and says, oh thank god, I thought I was hallucinating. So we described what we saw, and we saw the same thing, and then we turned around and drove back up and down the road really slowly to see if we could see it again, or find a reason why it might have happened. but. There was nothing there. Ex-boyfriend and I did a rainforest walk, which dropped deep down to the bottom of the forest. No other cars in the car park and didn't come across any other hikers. We had it all to ourselves and had a great time for most of it. As we were walking up, my ex was ahead of me and suddenly stopped, raising his hand to signal to me to stop with him. I looked up, and there was this woman standing up ahead of us, staring directly at us. She looked normal, but I got a chill as soon as I saw her. She had dark brown hair, which I only noticed because it contrasted so strongly against her cardigan. Her cardigan was all I could focus on. It went right down to her feet and was bleach white, totally clean as if it had just been bought off the rack. I thought about how ridiculous it was to wear while hiking. We stood there totally motionless, just staring back at her for what was probably only about 30 to 40 seconds, but felt like a lifetime. We didn't feel immediately threatened. But there was no way I was going to take a step towards her. Instead, I felt this weird kind of stillness, as if the forest around us froze in time and went silent. She finally turned around and started to walk slowly back up the trail. We watched her and waited, not saying a word to each other, until she was well out of sight before we began walking. The car park was still around half an hour away and we walked in silence, both a bit on edge and trying to listen for any suspicious sounds. We didn't see her or anyone else for the rest of the trail. Still, no cars in the car park when we returned. Absolute strangest experience I've ever had in my entire life, hiking outdoors. This story entails the time I went running around a local trail after dark. I live in the downtown area of a relatively small city. A couple blocks from my house there is a lake with a five mile trail around it. In the daytime it is absolutely beautiful and a very popular attraction, but it tends to be sketchy at night because it is located in a lesser part of town with a much higher homeless and gang population. After dark some questionable people can appear and mix with the eeriness of the lake itself. It's pretty damn scary. I've had some pretty strange encounters there but nothing terrified me as much as this one. This happened about a year ago. The sun was starting to set and I was questioning whether I should run or not. I should have known not to run if I was questioning it. So I decided to set off on my run. I very quickly learn that it is getting dark, fast. One and a half miles in pitch black only with the occasional streetlight giving me something. Around two miles, I look ahead and see a guy just standing in the middle of the path. As I get closer, this dude just whips it out and starts peeing in the middle of the path. Like blatantly. I slow my pace down to assess the situation. Now keep in mind, I'm 19, 6 foot tall, 180 pounds of pure muscle, so I'm not that easily intimidated. But this was giving me a very uneasy feeling. I run around the dude on the complete opposite side of the road, and he is just staring at me the entire time. I'm getting freaked out at this point, so I pick up my pace a little out of my comfort zone. It was too late to turn back since I am already two miles out. Up ahead, I began to see another guy standing there. I had no idea what is going on at this point, so I run around him as well. Another half mile up, there's yet another guy, and this time he's just staring at me. I'm completely freaked now, so I just start sprinting my ass off. Around half a mile from my house, I hear this ear piercing screaming behind me. It sounds like it's coming from 20 different people, but it kept getting closer as I was sprinting. I booked it with all I got to my house and then slammed the door. I couldn't sleep for the next two nights. It could have just been some weird homeless guys drugged out, but it could have been way, way much worse. Moral of the story. Be aware of your surroundings, runners, especially at night. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true backwoods creepy stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.